Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. I am Denise Walker, your host. If you're new here, welcome. Detox Podcast is a deep dive into my poetry collections, Pick Your Poison on Addiction and Recovery. Every episode, I dissect one of my poems. I go into it to describe my emotions, my experiences, and I present it to you in this way in order to create a place of solace, understanding, and relatability. Let's dive in. Hello, good day, how are you? I hope you're well, but if you're not, sending you big love today. Today's episode is called The Hardware Grill. I'm gonna be sharing a story about a personal experience of being out to dinner with my partner's family. And I'm also going to be talking about self-care versus community care and what that means and, and all sorts of stuff around that kind of concept. Before we begin, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about some workshops I've got coming up. I've got two. Uh, I've got Learn to Read Tarot Level 1 and Learn to Read Tarot Level 2. Level 1 is on May 22nd. It's from 1 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. It's a Saturday, and that's Mountain Daylight Time. It's virtual, so if you're free at that time, you're welcome to join from anywhere in the world. Only got 10 spots available, so they can be little intimate experiences, but I think it might fill up quite quickly this time. So if you're interested, hop on it. I've got sliding scale prices for both, um, either $25, $40, or $65, depending on what your budget is like, you get to choose. And then level two, uh, Learn to Read Tarot, is on the 30th of May, which is 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And that one's all about learning how to read the cards together with other cards, not just one card by itself, but how they influence each other when you pull them together, which order to read them in, and then how to create your own tarot spreads from scratch. It's going to be super fun. Uh, yeah, so if you'd like to join me in that, you can head to my website, denisewalkerspeaks.com, or you can head to cityandsoul.ca slash workshops and sign up that way. Okay, here's the poem, The Hardware Grill. The Malbec from across the table, blood red aroma. The server expertly pours the bottle like I used to into an Erlenmeyer flask, a vessel I wish I had thought of eight months ago when my sole purpose was decanting poison. I am not offered any and I should be freed by that exemption. My throat should relax, but instead, all I can do is count how many drops are left in your glass. And if you've read this and you actually have the paper copy of this book or the ebook, you'll see that when I say my sole purpose, that's gonna be a double meaning there for sole purpose, meaning S-O-U-L, like it's my destiny, my like sole purpose, my dharma or whatever. But it also means S-O-L-E, like my only purpose. Because I was so fixated on wine and how to drink wine, how to cellar wine, how to decant it. Whew. I was really into it. And I was like hyper-focused on it. Gigantic waste of energy. 
And that energy now in sobriety is channeled into like much more productive, helpful, healthy things, creative things, not just like how to decant poison, you know? Um, but this is, this happened, this whole scenario is a true story. It was at the Hardware Grill, which is this uh, restaurant downtown. It's like an upscale restaurant. I can't remember what the what the occasion was. I think it might have been my partner's father's birthday. And I was there with uh, two of his sisters, his mom, my partner, and my partner's father. And they ordered a glass or a bottle to share of red wine. And normally, up until this moment, this was kind of like a a turning point where up until then, people were still offering me like, oh, would you like to go on in this book? go in on this bottle of wine with us or asking me like what I wanted to drink in an alcoholic way. Um, Not meaning like alcoholic as in I'm an alcoholic. I don't use that terminology as you know, Um, but like the drinks were alcoholic and I was still being offered alcohol at this point, eight months into sobriety. (laughs) So uh, this, this was a moment where they ordered a bottle of wine and didn't include me in in ordering it the three of them were going to share it and then my partner's father asked me if i wanted to share a bottle of sparkling water and i was like yes i do i really do it was such a wonderful moment and then the server comes over and perfectly as wine snobbery goes perfectly works with this wine in a way that whatever preserves it properly doesn't bruise it when you open it blah blah and pours it into this Erlenmeyer flask like I you know an Erlenmeyer flask it's it's like for science for chemistry and it's got a really wide circular bottom that tapers upwards and then has a long neck long skinny neck And it even had like a bunch of like milliliter markings on it, looked very um, like scientific. Great description, Denise, but (laughs) they use that as the decanter. And the whole time I was thinking, why, why didn't I think of this? In all my years of wine decanting, why didn't I think of this? It's so cool. And then I got annoyed and jealous and irritated that I was sharing a dumb bottle of sparkling water and everybody else got to have this cool experience of this Erlenmeyer flask. And then the whole time I was just like hyper-focused on how much wine was left in their glasses. I'm not sure if you did this, but I sure did this thing where if I was out to dinner or out for drinks, I would like try to pace myself and not finish my drink like really fast. Well, and try to finish kind of like at the same time as other people and then be like, are you going to get another one? Are you, do you think we should get another one? Even though in my head it's like, okay, where's the waitress? Like, get her back here. Like, I need to order another drink. And it just like simultaneously fascinated me and sort of enraged me that they could drink their wine so slowly. And even more to that effect, could leave wine undrank in their glass. 
And I even remember like taking a beat and like going to the washroom and just being like, what is going on in my body and in my mind right now? Like they didn't even offer me the drink and I'm still being triggered by it. And I was, I think it was like the non-inclusion. I think it was loss of sort of identity that was happening where typically people would have included me in something like that. And suddenly I'm being excluded because that's not me anymore. I don't do that. I don't drink. I am different. And so I'm no longer being included in the things that I used to be included in. And just like at a very base level, it feels like not belonging, you know? But it was really, really, really sweet that my partner's father wanted to share sparkling water with me. It was like, it was a very close thing to sharing a bottle of wine, right? It was like still, okay, okay, we're deciding to do this together. It's a, it, you do still belong. And some, some parts of me wonder if it was orchestrated that way, uh, but but I don't think it was, it was just nice. And so there are still ways outside of sharing the bottle of wine or sharing the picture of sangria or the pitcher of beer, you can still share things and still feel like you belong and like have experiences together outside of alcohol, it's possible. And so self-care is a huge piece in recovery, right? It's a huge, huge piece of it. And I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Instagram specifically lately on how self-care is is kind of going away and the focus is being shifted to community care. And so what is community care? Uh, community care is when the community cares for the community. It's when there's a share of resources and energy and support, which is awesome. And, and please don't get me wrong here. I'm not at all um, trying to, to beat down or, or criticize community care. There's nothing really to criticize about it. I just want to talk about how I feel like there might be a little bit of the message that's being lost and kind of have a bit of a discussion about that. So when I see posts on Instagram or whatnot that say community care, not self-care, it's like this either or thing. I really don't believe it's either or. You can't, you can't have self-care without community care and you can't have community care without self-care. I think they're actually more synonymous than we're getting, is get, they're getting credit for out there. It's very kind of like this almost black and white um, I heard on a podcast, the Conspirituality podcast, where they were saying that self-care actually doesn't work, that it creates um, this focus on the self, and it is it uh, it creates self-absorption instead of healing. And healing is actually happens in the community setting when you're getting together to to heal together. And so. At first I was like, uh, I don't, I don't feel like I'm self-absorbed while I'm doing the self-care. I think that there's a, there's a piece missing. And I think the piece is there is that you cannot give from an empty, an empty cup. And there are specific boundaries that we find in recovery that we have to uphold. And so when we talk about community care, they're talking about 
you know, checking in with your, your immediate community, your friends, your family, your loved ones, and offering support when you, when other people need it. But we need to make sure that we are okay before we deplete ourselves. Especially right now, we are all being collectively traumatized all the time. And we're, our baseline is not the baseline we had before. And so we have to be very careful with our energy and our time and our resources. A lot of things are up in the air. Like right now, there's this, the question that I'm struggling with, I know we're all at these different places in life. We all have different socioeconomics uh, points or not, like we're on different points on the, on the spectrum. And, and our resources differ and our privilege differs. And so I own a business, I have a full-time job and I own a business. And so I opened this business during the pandemic. We are barely breaking even every month. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes like the owners, there's three of us, we are floating our own money into there to break even. We're doing these little owner loans all the time all the money that we t this it's like a co-working space right so i have my i own city and soul wellness collective but then i also own denise speaks which i do all of my other services through like my workshops like my tarot readings shadow work sessions all of these things and so that's that business denise speaks rents from city and soul wellness collective so i also pay rent to this business but there's also this thing called the pandemic <laughs> that we are cycling through restrictions all the time in in my city and in my province alberta and so today that as i'm recording this our premier said that there are more restrictions coming we have no idea what they're going to be right now at this level we can't have indoor yoga at all everything's online but we can have one-on-one -on -one services not yoga but we can do uh like massage or holistic nutrition consults or that kind of thing you know so when there's these crises in the world of in the community um the things that are on my mind right now are are india and the horrific state that they are in and the uh, missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and relatives uh, is day was, I'll be releasing this on May 6th. So it was yesterday, May 5th. And that is huge and needs a lot of attention. And there are so many causes out there. Homelessness in our city is, um, they just, they're shutting down a lot of shelters right now because things are just starting to get um, a little like, out of control like there's just too many people who need help and they're becoming like too full and so we have we also had our safe injection sites shut down so it's only going to get worse at this point in time and so i have to look at myself right i i have all of this privilege and money and a steady job that is not it's probably not going to go anywhere before the pandemic happened there it was actually up in the air like if um, Alberta Health Services was going to actually get my job 
in the next bid or if it was going to be privatized. And I might lose my job if it's privatized. They might come in and they might hire us all back, but they might also staff their own staff from other places, you know? So who knows? Um, I thought that working at ambulance dispatch, I would have job security for life, but it turns out that that's not the case. So I do have these questions that I have to ask myself, how much can I give? I can give, but at some point, will my business need me to float them more money to stay afloat? Will, um, will I lose my full-time income? What if like my partner who is a teacher who also like, that's also been under threat due to our government. Education is not a priority for our conservative government. What if he loses his job? There are always questions, right? And so when it comes to community care, we have to assess how much can we give without risking instability in our own life. And the whole, the whole point of community care is that it is interconnected and we're all interdependent on each other. You know, we su I su when I'm doing really well, I support other people. And then when I'm not doing well, the other people support me. And it's just like this big, awesome care network that we all hold each other up and support each other because we are all at different levels and we all have different um, amounts of energy and we have all have different amounts of resources to give. But if you are in recovery, self-care is fucking vital to your survival. Because if you are constantly depleting yourself, a lot of times that's why we had arrived in addiction in the first place. We were using a substance to cope with the overwhelm from the burdenous feeling of life, from the anxiety, from the pressure, from always needing to be perfect, always having to have our shit together, always having to be helping when people ask. And if that describes you, you have to focus on self-care. It is absolutely vital for you to take care of yourself. And I know that some people don't even have the luxury of self-care. And that's why community care is very important. So if you do have the time and you do have the energy and you do have the resources, please give. That is your role in the community care structure. And if you don't, ask for help. Here's your permission to ask for help. Because you do not have to have your shit together. You don't have to hold everybody up when you are already drowning. You cannot hand out the life jackets if your head is below the water. It's that whole thing again with the air mask on the airplane, which is almost like <laughs> it's not even a, a thing I want to even say anymore because one, it's been used so many times, but two, like air travel seems like such a un unrealistic metaphor right now. <laughs> Uh, so, but it's the whole, like, you know, if, if your air mask comes down, you have, you're supposed to put it on yourself before you put it on anyone else. You can't help others if you are dying. So I don't think it's an either or, you know, community care is better than self-care. I think it's a yes and. We need both.
And I think it's very important to do kind of a self-check, you know, every day. Where are you at? How are you doing? How much energy do you have? How much stability do you feel you have in your life? Can you give? And if you can't, give because you need to care for yourself and you need to make sure that you have a certain amount in your bank account. Please take care of yourself because we need people taking care of yourself. That is your role, is, is to not feel guilty because we know that shame and guilt, even, like do they just drive, they drive addiction and they drive the force of negativity and in your life, right? Like the self-loathing. If, if you are beating yourself up for not reaching a standard that society has put out for you, you are more susceptible to, to an increase in substance use. It's directly tied in my mind. If I hate myself, why would I try to be better? Why would I show up for myself? If I, I apparently don't deserve it, I'm just a shit human who, who can't help other people. Like that's, that's not the narrative that we need in our head right now. You are a good human. Whether or not you can give money or not, whether or not you can even reach out to your friends and family to see how they're doing, it might feel impossible to even send that text message, you know, because Sometimes we don't have the emotional bandwidth to, to help other people. There are very specific boundaries that we discover in recovery when it comes to, um, a lot of the time, family members that can be quite draining. We have to test the water. We have to see if it's going to be something we can we can still do that at relationships, so many relationships, we get the opportunity to, to readdress and, and reevaluate and see if they're working for us still. And if they're not, or maybe you can only spend, you know, five, a five minute phone call every week to your mother. That's the boundary that you can set. I can, I will still check in with my mother but it could only be for five minutes a week. And mom, if you're listening, this is not about you, I love you. <laughs> but sometimes family can be really difficult. And so um, there, it's okay. It's okay to be selfish in those instances. And selfish is a neutral word. word. It does not mean that you are bad. It does not mean that you are greedy. It just means that you are taking care of yourself first and foremost. And in recovery, you have to do that. You have to choose you. We cannot constantly be in a people-pleasing mindset. And maybe you're not a people-pleaser, but many people I've met in recovery are people-pleasers, myself included. And like always wanting to be like a yes person, always saying yes because we want to be helpful. We want to show up. Many of us maybe still feel a lot of guilt from when we were in addiction, or maybe we're still in addiction. We feel a lot of guilt. So we, we offset that by, you know, helping as much as we possibly can when people ask us for help. Doing favors and gifting our time and driving people places or whatever it is. 
but we cannot give from an empty cup, right? So there's this other piece of community care where it does fill your cup. Other people in your life, you need support, you need community, you need connection. And I've been noticing something in myself and there's like other people I've been talking to who have been noticing the same thing. Um, some of my clients are bringing it up, some of my friends are bringing it up, that they feel this block right now from reaching out and creating community. I'm not sure what that's about. I'm not sure if it's kind of like a trauma response or if we do have some sort of low-grade depression that's sneaking in and we're isolating. Perhaps the world just feels too heavy that we don't want to run the risk of, of you know, taking on other people's shit. But as I've said um, in the past, there's a great uh, just little mental mind hack for if people are like, if you feel like people are emotionally unloading on you. Um, to ask yourself, is this mine to carry? Is this emotional heaviness mine to carry? And like, in this instance, I probably shouldn't call it shit because it's not shit, it's, it's stuff. It's trauma, it's emotions, it's pain, it's suffering. And that's not shit, that's just, that's really important stuff. But if it's not yours, it's not yours to carry. But what you can do is provide validation and support not in the form of advice. So here is my way of supporting other people when the world feels really heavy. <laughs> And like, I'm also not doing 100% myself. These are the things that I do. This is how I approach other people. So I care about my friends and family, right? I care if they're doing well or not. A really good tool is to not just ask them, how are you? But to make, to frame it like a check-in, like, hey, I've been thinking about you. I wanted to, che to check in with you. How are you doing? and let them respond and know that like however they respond it's not your job to fix it it's your, not your job to solve it because you can't fix it and you can't solve it but what you can do is just listen know that it's not yours to hold listen and validate saying things like that sounds really heavy I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that. Like ask questions like what are you like what are you doing to to show yourself some love these days? What are you doing to you know take a break from all of all of this? And just like even you know setting a a reminder in your phone or something to just text your loved ones or call your loved ones, whatever kind of 
mode that you'll use to communicate. This little moment also gives you an opportunity to talk about how you're doing with your loved ones because oftentimes they will ask you back. Here's another part of it. You gotta ask if they're in a place to listen. Everything's a bit much right now. So it's kind of inappropriate and insensitive to just unload on people without any warning because we never know where anybody is mentally these days. I got advice, business advice, uh, once that was frame every email that you send as if that other person is like on the verge of um, well they said mental breakdown which is not like a, a phrase I like but um, just like uh, like always send an email as if the other person is like not okay which is very helpful because you're going to meet people in a, on a compassionate level. And so instead of just assuming everybody's like, good, 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 at least give them the opportunity to, to decline hearing you talk about what's been heavy for you. And you'll find that people will start to do the same back to you. And, you know, you will get an opportunity to be like, hey, you know what? I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me whatever it is that you need to tell me. And that's also that moment that you get to ask yourself too when you reach out to your friends and family. Like, hey, am I in a position to hear what this person has to say? Am I in a position to act to just actively listen and support and hold space? Or am I completely burdened down with all the stuff that I've been carrying so far? And you'll also get an opportunity to say, if they ask you, hey, like, do you mind if I rant to you for a second? Like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm just my, you know, my mental state is not very good or I, I just need to focus on peace today. So uh, maybe I'll check in with you tomorrow. But thank you for asking. That kind of thing. I do want to say that sometimes guilt can really build up, right? If we haven't reached out to our friends and family for a while. So just do it. Send the text, make the call, because that connection will help. I need connection, you need connection, they need connection. And if you haven't reached out to your friends and family for a while, there's a good chance that maybe you've been isolating. Just check in with yourself. Have you been isolating? Have you felt like you're not finding joy in the things that you used to find joy in? Are you withdrawing? What's going on? If it's more than just like a few days at a time feeling like that, I urge you to please reach out, friends and family and professional help. And sometimes just 
being able to verbalize that that's what's going on in your mind and being able to kind of break that dam of the silence and and the withdrawnness can be such a a game changer you know even be like hey sorry i haven't reached out in a while been pretty overwhelmed that's enough you can say that And I would like to maybe offer that if you have people in your life who have put pressure on you to respond more or, you know, have actually applied guilt and shame to you for not connecting and not engaging and withdrawing. First of all, I'm sorry that you're experiencing that because you don't need that. Secondly, it just really um, illuminates what might be going on in their own world. And it has nothing to do with you. There are so many, there are so many reasons why they could be feeling that way. Maybe they've, they have or have developed through this pandemic or some trauma they've experienced, like an anxious attachment style where your absence is unbearable to them, but that's again, like not like your job to fill, fill the void of that. Um, but if you, if you do care about them and you, and you want to make them feel secure, absolutely. Like you can validate them, right? Be like, Hey, like, I know that like you get really anxious if I don't reply, just know that it's not because you've done something wrong and just know that it's not, you know, it's not you. I'm just struggling. I have this thing where I feel like I have to be okay all the time. And then I started to, I felt like this my whole life, basically, that I have to have my shit together because everybody else doesn't. And like, I have to like help the people who are struggling. And there's no room for me to struggle because if I start to drown, then I feel like everyone around me will drown too and then we'll all just be dead. So like somebody has to like be in this role of like always okay. But what's that about? <laughs> and so I asked my friend and I asked my partner and they both said they feel the exact same way. Both are also Libras. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's part of it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if everybody, I'm wondering if everyone feels that way. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you have to always be okay? Because if you're not okay, then everybody else won't be either. I don't know if it's like an eldest sibling thing. Cause I'm the oldest sibling. Um, I know one of my business partners feels this way too. And she's an older sibling. I don't know. I think this might be one of those universal feelings. I hope I'm right that like we all actually feel this way and and maybe that's where a lot of that struggle stems from and it's kind of thinking out loud now about this that perhaps like this this guilt that we build up and like not wanting to say that we're not okay comes from the sense of community support that even though we know it's okay for other people to not be okay, 
And I've said that a million times. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to need support. But when it comes to me, I feel like it's okay to not be okay until I need to rely on other people. And I wonder if that's a universal feeling. And that's what keeps us all from kind of really sharing what truly is happening with us. And I do know that as a part of like depression and anxiety, we build up this idea that we don't want to be a burden. So that's pretty much synonymous with what I just said. Hmm. Okay. Here's your homework. (laughs) That's what my therapist says to me. Here's your homework. And it's going to be my homework too. If you're like me, and this is ringing true for you, that you believe it's okay for the other people to not be okay, and they can be struggling as much as anyone can struggle, and that's like totally fine in your worldview. But if it's you that's struggling, then that's not okay, and it's not okay to ask for help because what happens if I ask for help, everybody else is just going to drown, and I can't possibly rely on the other people for help because I feel like they're already hurting too much. Ooh, I feel like I've cracked it open. <laughs> this okay, this is a little bit this is a little bit um um just conceptual. Um what if what if the key to healing truly is this community support where We do rely on other people and we do ask for help, even if we feel like we're in that role of like helper. We don't ask for help because we're the helper. What if we're all that? What if we're all the helper? And then when we ask for help, we all simultaneously get helped. But in the big network of the whole community, get to help. Helping the helpers help and be helped. Whoa, (laughs) I I hope you followed that. (laughs) I think I followed it. Wow, okay, so the homework is ask for help. Ask for help, that's it. And even though those alarm bells might be going off like, oh, I can't ask for help because that will be the bra- the straw that breaks the camel's back. All you got to do then is be like, hey, are you in a place to listen to me? Are you in a place to hold space for me right now? And find somebody who is and then ask for help. The hardware grill. The Malbec from across the table. Blood red aroma. The server expertly pours the bottle, like I used to, into an Erlenmeyer flask. A vessel I wish I had thought of eight months ago when my sole purpose was decanting poison. I'm not offered any, and I should be freed by that exemption, but my throat won't relax. And instead, all I can do is count how many drops are left in your glass. 